You're listening to Alcoholics Alive, where recovered members of Alcoholics Anonymous share their experience on how they live AA as a way of life. None of our participants get paid or speak for AA. Here are your hosts, Shank and Wayne. If you're a regular listener, we are in uh, search for more meeting shrapnel. So we've we've got a, lo- a long list, but we're going to chew through a lot of it this season. So if you've got any suggestions or uh, you hear any cool, funny f- fiction or nonfiction statements, send it to us and we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll try to cover it. Um, welcome everybody. We've got a, uh, a good episode today. We're, we're still, uh, moving forward with, uh, the traditions this season. And we actually have a return guest, Tammy. Tammy was on our, uh, I think it was our second episode on step two. Uh, That's right. uh, about, yeah, about a year ago. So, um, Tammy, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thanks for having yeah. me back. I'm excited to be back. We're glad to have you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. Uh, Tammy Alcoholic. Uh, My sobriety date is December 10th, 1995. Uh, I have a home group. My home group is the 12 and 12 study group uh, out of Asheville, North Carolina. On the northeast side of Asheville, we meet on Wednesdays at 6 p.m. We read a step each week. And on the last Wednesday of the month, we read the tradition of the month. So uh, I love a group that stays in the steps, stays in the tradition, stays in our literature and uh, like my home group. Uh, I have a sponsor. I am a sponsor, and I believe in the uh, being of service to Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, my story is um, most people's story of "Thank God I never." Right? Like if I had a dollar for every time I heard somebody in a meeting say "Thank God I never," I'd be a a rich woman today. Yep. Uh, but as it stands, I still have a day job, but, um, so what happened is in 1995 at the age of 23, I became a drunk driver who killed somebody on a car accident and injured other people. And as a result of that, I got charged with four felonies and had a lot of consequences. And what I know today is that consequences and fear, uh, won't keep me sober. Um, but in my case, that's how I got sober. Um, one of the consequences that I had was to go to meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous, and I didn't think I belonged. Uh, in spite of all the evidence to the contrary, um, I was in a really good bubble of self-delusion telling you that I was too young, I was too this, it was just one time, it was my first offense, I couldn't be an alcoholic, da 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 uh, You give me a reason I am, and I'll tell you why I'm not, right? Um, but what happened for me is those consequences and that fear kept me in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous long enough, kept me coming to Alcoholics Anonymous long enough that I was finally able to break through that self-delusion, um, that I was finally able to hear what the people in the rooms were telling me, um, but the, the program that they were sharing with me. And I was finally able to get to a point of honesty, uh, of being open-minded enough and willing enough to do the work uh, to take the steps. Um, I realized somewhere along there that I belonged in Alcoholics Anonymous and the fear and consequences might have still been there. They eventually went away and I stayed and uh, very, very grateful that I did stay. All right. Well, we're grateful you did too. Yes. Yep. 
Very much so. Thank you for that. Shank, what's our topic today? Our topic today, we are on episode four of season five. So we have arrived at tradition four. Tradition four in the long form says, with respect to its own affairs, each AA group should be responsible to no other authority than its own conscience. But when its plans concern the welfare of neighboring groups also, those groups ought to be consulted. And no group, regional committee, or individual should ever take any action that might greatly affect AA as a whole without conferring with the trustees of the General Service Board. On such issues, our common welfare is paramount. And then the short form says each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or AA as a whole. So that brings us to our first question from the Traditions Grapevine Checklist. And it is, do I insist that there are only a few right ways of doing things in AA? What do y'all think? I may actually still be there. (laughs) (laughs) So so when I read, uh, I've had the checklist uh, that you read the question from for a while. And when I read that question, it's one of those questions where I think um, words matter, right? Because... If that question were to say, do I think there are only a few right ways? My answer would be a resounding yes, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. But what the question says is, do I insist there are only a few right ways uh, of doing things? And my answer today is no, um, I don't. Um, This is one of the questions where uh, I did a little bit of research on tradition for, you know, obviously knowing I was coming here and I found this article that really just um, resonated with me. And it was from a guy, his name is Bob Pearson, and it was from the 36th General Service Conference in 1986. And it was his 18th General Service Conference and his final one as well. And what he said is if the fellowship ever falters or fails, it will not be because of any outside cause. And he named things like treatment, young people, non-conference group literature, drugs, et cetera. He went on to say, if the fellowship ever falters or fails, it will be because we can't control our own egos or get along with each other because we have too much fear and rigidity and not enough trust and common sense. And to me, that really spoke to this question of insisting I'm right and that rigidity of insisting that my way is the right way, the only way that is acceptable, right? And I think just from my personal experience of being involved in general service and my group and group conscience and things like that, um, that that rigidity is what is going to harm me, harm my group and harm everything. That this tradition, one of the things it says is it gives us the right to be wrong, right? That when I'm in group conscience and I'm the minority opinion, I'm the only one saying, no, no, we shouldn't, we shouldn't, we shouldn't. And the group says, but we want to, and we will, and we're going to, we're going to outvote you. I have to just trust, right? I have to trust that it is going to self-correct and that either the group has the right to be wrong or I have the right to be wrong. It could be either one in that situation, right? And so... um, If this question said, do I think I'm right? Probably. Do I insist I'm right? Not so much today. What about you, Jay Wayne? Well, I definitely think I'm right. There's no, no, uh, (laughs) 
<clears throat> no doubt about that. As a matter of fact, I mean, that's that it's part of why we started the podcast because we, <laughs> we, 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 we thought that, um, there, there might be an easier, uh, or a, a more simple way to get back to AA steps and traditions and to use, uh, our previous guest, one of his terms, today's AA, um, probably a little different than what the book says. Anyway, um, I, I've, I've gone through phases of where I remember there was a time probably between like six or eight years and 10 years sober where I thought I had, you had to do it this way through the book. Um, and I don't think I insisted that to anybody, but it was probably implied and the reality of it today is that, I mean, I think there are better ways f- to do Alcoholics Anonymous. But you know what? I know people, I've, I'm friends with people that have been sober for decades that have never done a four-step out of the big book. I, I, I'm friends with people, I know people that have, you know, never joined a home group. And... They've been sober forever. And I don't want, I, I personally don't want a whole lot of, you know, of what they have, but they're there. If you get honest about it and just look at the reality of it, there are many ways that people stay sober and many ways that groups do things that appear to work for people and that are under the A umbrella. Um, so it would be kind of naive to insist that one way is the only way. I do think that there's some better ways. (laughs) Well, I think that one of our previous guests, you know, this tradition kind of goes back to, uh, well, it says in the language of the heart that tradition four is a specific application of general principles already outlined in traditions one and two. Mm -hmm. And one of our previous guests, Shelly, you know, told a story about in a business meeting and da da da, and the group conscience had voted. But what she really learned was that the people in the meeting voted and the group conscience spoke later because they didn't end up doing what they had voted about doing, um, which I thought was a really interesting story. And Shelly can clean that up if I botched it. But that's what I understood that she said. Um, there were definitely several years in my sobriety where you know, I had a sponsor and that sponsor helped many, many people still does. But I really got obsessed with this idea that I was doing a right and that the kind of service I was doing, I had my hands in everything, which listen, I stayed sober and I grew my relationship with God during that time. But I definitely thought that I was doing AA the way it was supposed to be done. And um, I think I've talked about it several times in person on this podcast that, you know, over the last several years, it's been kind of going back to what really worked for me very simply using the book, trying to help people. Um, Maybe I don't insist that there are only a few right ways, but maybe similar to what you are. There's, there is, there are ways of doing things that I think are simple that I understand that have worked for me. Um, But also someone over the last several years has pointed out to me, like, not everyone needs to do what you do to stay sober in AA or outside of it, (laughs) which I can't fathom. I'm just like, well, but it works so well for me, you know, like I've been able to stay sober all this time. 
uh, similar to Tammy, while people are saying like, oh my gosh, the thing happened to you. It's so horrible. Oh my gosh, you're my worst nightmare of consequence. So maybe I don't insist, but there were probably several years in there where I did insist. Yeah, that it makes me think of the insisting um, going back to tradition too, where they talk about the bleeding deacon, right? <clears throat> Which I, I, I listened to tradition too, sorry, but mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, that's one of the great things is I think that the bleeding deacon is the great example of insisting that I am right and my way yeah. is the right way. Yep. All right. Our next question is, am I willing to help a newcomer go to any links, his links, not mine, to stay sober? Can I have an example, please? <laughs> I was thinking about this and I want to say yes, but then I think, well, I mean, is my answer yes? Like, I mean, what do you mean? Like, what do those links look like? Like, how am I supposed to help? And <laughs> Right. I always just, uh, when I was reading this and reading some literature in relation to, to Tradition 4, I don't know what strikes me and listen, I am not like queen AA, but I know what's going on in AA and I'm well informed and I talk to a lot of people and I show up to assemblies and workshops and different things. Um, so I always, or at least right now, I kind of assume that this means, well, I'll help them go to the, to their links, which are probably not as much as mine, <laughs> which is probably not doing showing up to the home group at five o'clock and being there until eight you know uh changing my work schedule in relation to aa trying to put aa first um some people there were times in my sobriety where i couldn't do that you know and people still sponsored me and helped me and i was going to the greatest links that i could at that time i think yeah when i first saw the question i I didn't completely understand it. Not sure that I do now. Um, but I think it means that, yeah, I mean, I guess that people have different abilities or different schedules, different things that they, that they do. And that it's not a term I like, but well, it's, it, we've, people say meet people where they're at. Right. It also kind of um, makes me think of like there was this point in time where I was being sponsored and I thought that I needed some outside help with something. And my sponsor at that time was like, well, AA can solve all your problems. And I don't know if that was true or not true, but I did go get some outside help for like a year and a half or something else and uh, like childhood stuff. And it was very helpful. I didn't like continue doing that until now. Um, she wasn't like all for it but she didn't tell me i couldn't do it that i remembered and if she did then i was like well i'm gonna do it anyway <laughs> if i'm right. just imagining how well, the that, conversation went i get that i guess that's autonomy because when i first yeah. read the question i'm like what's that has to do with the tradition mm -hmm. and i guess we give people autonomy to to the right to be wrong give all people autonomy to do what they can do mm -hmm. instead of us putting maybe you know demands on them would be one way to look at that. That makes a lot of sense when we kind of hash through it like that, that um, because I can very much relate to what uh, Susie was just saying that you know, I, my life has evolved in such a way that I have a lot of time to dedicate to being of service to AA. 
Um, it, it's just the way, you know, it's happened for me. And so I'm involved in my group. I have a position. I'm involved at the district. I'm involved with corrections. I'm involved with this. I'm involved with that. You have a committee. Sure. I'll be up, whatever. So, so I can, I can spend a lot of time in AA, but for me to think that you have that same ability yeah. is kind of short-sighted, right? That you should be of service to AA as much as I am or exactly like I am. And that's just not, that's just not the case for people who have a different lifestyle or have made different choices. Yep. Yeah. It doesn't mean that they're not doing it right or they're not good A members because they can't do everything that other people do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how I took hmm. it. Okay. Our third question. Do I share my knowledge of AA tools with other members who may not have heard of them? Yes. Yes. yes okay. So maybe yes. you can explain to me more <laughs> of what this is well, implying here. <laughs> so when I read this question, what I, what I think about is it is passing it on. So there was a topic that came up on a previous podcast. I have no idea when I, it was a shrapnel. Actually, it was a shrapnel. Now that I think about it, and the shrapnel was about a service sponsor, right? <laughs> and, um, it, and it made me think of this type of topic. So I have run into countless people, you know, during, you know, my sobriety that have not been exposed to the traditions, that have not been exposed to group conscience, that have not been exposed to service at the area level, at the CPC level, at the treatment level, at the whatever level, right? And and that's not good or bad or right or wrong. That's just because my personal opinion is people pass on what's been passed on to them and they can't pass on something that they don't know about or haven't been given. And so people are sponsored through the steps and and then given whatever other information, you know, the sponsor has. But a lot of times if the sponsor hasn't been involved in those things, those people aren't exposed to it. And so when I read this question, you know, I always talk about like traditions and service and getting involved in the group and getting involved in the district and taking a treatment commitment and doing this. And I run into people all the time that go, oh, what's that? Oh, how do I get involved in that? And so when I read this question, it's about just exposing people to all the kinds of ways you can be of service to AA, all the up, all three sides of the triangle, not just the one side of the triangle, all three sides of the triangle, the second one we're talking about now, right? Um, and, and just making sure that they get exposed to that, because I have seen so many people who just don't get exposed to it. Yeah. Well, I think maybe too, like just where I got sober and the group I got sober was a you know, three legacy group and yada, yada. And, um, everyone, people were always involved in things. So it wasn't like, I never had a chance to not know about what was going on, where I needed to be. You know, I, I was going to be sentenced and going to prison and they were like, Oh, well, a week before that, two weeks before that, there's this conference, the midwinter conference. And we signed you up to be a greeter. Like you need to dress appropriately. (laughs) I'm like, um, I don't really, mm, I don't think I have time to do that. Like I should probably be spending time with my family or making money and saving it. Um, so it was never, uh, an option to, to not, no. And everyone was so involved. Like, I feel so grateful that that is where and how I got sober and that people were very direct with me um, in that way, because I need that personally. But um, I wouldn't say I take it for granted, but my experience is just that 
people around me are involved. And then the people that I meet through those people are also involved. And then I can go several hours away and speak at a workshop and see several people that like I know and that I've seen um, who have helped me with some of these, I suppose, AA tools, if we were yeah. calling them that. Yeah, I, I think we're fortunate that we got sober where we did and probably in the groups that we did where it was the third leg, a three legacy group. And you had all aspects of stuff kind of firing. Um, because yeah, when you were saying that, I mean, like the group I was in, I didn't know any of that stuff was an option. I mean, you just, (laughs) you just immediately like got there to help them sit up. You helped them tear down. You went to the, uh, the mental health and the detox on Sunday night, you, you know, you started going to the prison when you were able to, I mean, that was just looking back on it. It was like never really an option. And that, I don't, they didn't like beat you into it. You just did it. You know? And I think I've been guilty over the years of being kind of maybe naive thinking that everybody has been exposed to that mm-hmm. and they haven't. They haven't. I had a very different experience than both of you had. I yeah. I got sober originally at a, a group that met at a club. And honestly, I don't even know what the name of that group is because all they ever said was we go to the club. You know, it was one of those, <laughs> oh right? Well, you and remember, so, I'm a member of the club. That's right. <laughs> <Get> the club. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the group had a name. I don't know. But, um, it, and it was that. And, and nobody... The, Nobody was talking about service or talking about traditions. You know, it was after I left that group and went to another group where I, that I found out people were doing correction service. And I was like, oh, there's there's more. What's that? And then as I got involved and did a little something else, I found out there are traditions and they're important and we should study them. Right. Because they matter. And um, so my experience was very different. I wasn't I didn't come in in a three legacy environment being told that this is what we do. I came in and people just went to meetings and did steps. Mm-hmm. And then I found that out later as I went to other groups and met other people and got exposed to general service who said this is important. Hmm. Well, I'm glad you were going to yeah. meetings where they work steps. <laughs> yes. That, that is a key component here also. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. Well, and the yeah, the beauty of I guess tradition four is that I mean, there's a lot of freedom in that and the autonomy because you know, Alcoholics Anonymous is not we're not like franchised and there's no, you know, main office or general service office telling groups what they can do. A group can really do whatever it wants to do. And so if groups want to meet in a club, they can. If groups want to have uh you know an alternative format they can if they want to read certain things they can if they want to pray certain things they can um i like the example you sent me shank on the bill wilson wrote that reading wrote in that grapevine in 1948 i think it was that if a group wanted to hire a preacher to give a talk and pay for it out of the funds from their nightclub that they could do that they could do that probably wasn't wise but that they 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 could do that. They uh, sure could. Yep. Well, what are some things? Go ahead, Tammy. No, it's it's a funny example because we all laughed, right? And the how, and how ridiculous that sounds. That 
uh, but but they could. But that's where I think the whole concept of AA being self-correcting comes in, that what I have to believe, if a group chooses to do that, hire a preacher and pay for it from the funds with their nightclub, that what I have to what I have to assume is that the group is not carrying the message of Alcoholics Anonymous, probably, right? And right. are they going to stay around, you know, based on our traditions? You know, maybe, maybe not. I have to believe that they probably wouldn't. Um, but it is an extreme funny example of what we can do if we want to. Yes. Yeah. I, I think I've, I've known some groups that have done some similar things. what so what's something i know there's an old story about when akron and cleveland started writing their own literature um they started writing their own pamphlets and folks in new york didn't like it um that's part of how this tradition got written if you it's in one of the, the books um and so, you know, Cleveland and Akron was writing literature and it was, they were purporting it to be AA literature and it, it really wasn't. Um, I'm What's something that a group could do nowadays that would affect another group? Or have you seen anything like that where? The only thing uh, that comes to mind that I've ever heard of really in relation to this tradition, I don't know it's exactly what you're talking about, but when another group is starting up on the same group night as someone else, like someone recently has brought that uh, to me, which different scenario. It didn't matter in the long run, but um, yeah, that's the only thing that I've ever really heard in relation to. I mean, I haven't been around as both. Of so you we were going to start a new group. So if we were going to start a new group, like next to another group that was already meeting on the same night, you'd want to talk mm-hmm. to them. Yeah. yeah. I guess if a group was going to decide to like maybe put up some billboards in a local town and have Tammy's face on it and say, come get our <laughs> brand of AA, that might be something. That'd be that an might, example. That, that's an example of a lot of traditions we may be running a <laughs> fellow there. <laughs> Not just this one. Uh, yeah. But I, I was thinking, I was thinking about this, um, you know, obviously coming up to the podcast and I think the examples that I can think of might harm other groups, but mine probably lean a little bit more to the potentially harming AA as a whole, you know, a little bit. So there were a couple of examples I thought of. One of them is I've had an opportunity to facilitate a couple of group inventories. And um, if I'm in your area and you want a group inventory facilitated, I am available. I think that is one of the most fun things to do. I don't, because I'm geeky <laughs> like that, right? Like, I'm going to start giving so them your number then. <laughs> so um, anyway, I had an opportunity to do this. So went to this one group. And as we were asking questions and kind of delving through the group inventory, uh, the group shared with us that they allow Al-Anons to come to their meeting, which is fine because it was an open meeting. But they also allowed the Al-Anons to share in the meeting. Mm. These people did not have a problem with alcohol. They were not alcoholics. They were Al-Anons. And they also allowed that people who were did not identify as alcoholics to put money in the basket. And so as we went through the group inventory... Uh, we asked those questions, you know, do, do do you see how this, you know, may be okay, not okay, putting money in the basket. And um, so do, do these 
actions run afoul of any of our other traditions? Like, in my opinion, the answer is yes, right? That tradition five talks very specifically about singleness of purpose. That tradition seven talks very clearly about how we don't accept outside contributions. And I believe both of those actions might have been contrary to what those two traditions are trying to say. But when those ideas were brought up to this group, they said, what do you think they said? Autonomy. We're still doing it. We are autonomous <laughs> and we can yep. do what we want. That's yeah. exactly what they said. And so one of the things that I find <laughs> interesting awesome. about tradition four, um, and I, I've read a couple of articles and heard people talk about it is, and one of the reasons I was really excited to talk about tradition four is because this is the tradition that is used as a weapon, right? This is our weapon against how I can do whatever I want to do because this is my group and you said I could do whatever I want to do. And then they say autonomy, period. You know, what I often hear is we're autonomous, period. And then there's that whole other part of the fourth tradition that talks about except when. And, you know, a lot of the questions talk about that. Do we think about these things when we make decisions at our group? Do we think about these things? Um, and this group, they heard the arguments and they said, we're autonomous, period. Right. And that mm-hmm. was the end of that. And and when I think about those kind of things, I, hmm. I think it could affect neighboring groups. You know, what if the newcomer comes in and says, oh, well, I'm going to bring my mom and my sister and everybody because they can benefit from AA and they can share and they can put money in. And does that affect neighboring groups or AA as a whole? OK, maybe I'm getting a little extreme. Maybe it, does, it, maybe it doesn't. I don't know. It's a good point. So mm-hmm. you, those are the kind of things I think of. The The other example that came to mind when I was thinking about, you know, this particular topic of, of stepping on other traditions is I've been to a handful of groups. And this is, this is what was the term today's AA? It, this is not something that I saw happening um, except for in the last few years, okay? Um, that I will go to a group I've never been to. And when the readings are passed out and how it works is read, the steps are read, the traditions are read, something out of the big book, something out of the 12 and 12, when the reader reads it, they read it as they want to read it, not as it's been written. And so when I think about that happening, Hmm. um, I hear that. And I mean, as a starting point, you know, I cringe a little bit, right? I cringe when... Because I know yeah. what it's supposed to, I know what it says as it's written, right? But 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 take aside, you know, what I think about that. So so let's just say I agree with the reader, I don't agree with the reader. It's irrelevant. It's irrelevant whether I agree or disagree with the reader and how they have chosen to change whatever words, you know, that they didn't care for. Um, here's the reality. The reality is at present, the General Service Conference has approved the literature as it is currently written. They have not changed any of our well except for the changes they made to the 12 and 12 but what i'm talking about has not been changed right so the general service conference is the collective conscience of aa as a whole you know it's supposed to represent the collective conscience of aa as a whole and the literature is written as it's written so tradition two says that god speaks to the group conscience right right so when i kind of extrapolate all of that and I go to a meeting and you give me how it works and I read it and I read it in Tammy's preferred version mm-hmm. and not the way that it's written. What mm-hmm. I am saying is that I don't believe 
and the conscience of Alcoholics Anonymous. I don't believe in the group conscience. And as a matter of fact, I know better than God because I know what the words should say because I'm always right, right? Right? <laughs> I'm going to insist that I'm right by reading the words like this. So I find, again, that this is where people say, but we're autonomous. I'm autonomous. We can do whatever we want. Well, sure. But I have to think about what kind of harm that may be doing to the newcomer, to the other groups, to AA as a whole. And did I, you know, did I when I made that choice? I don't know. Hmm. That's a good point. That's pretty perceptive there, Tammy. Mm-hmm. I'm glad. I'm, I'm, I like that. I like how you tied it all together. I would have just said, that's a, that, why did they do that? <laughs> they can't change the readings. <laughs> So at what point do you confer with the trustees of the general service board? About, about people reading? About any of it. Tradition four in the long form says, uh, or individual should ever take any action that might greatly affect AA as a whole without conferring with the trustees of the general service board. I think that's why you have a general service conference process. The structure, right? yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if I think that, the, the book should be written differently. And as we all know, a lot of people think a lot of things should be written differently these days, right? Not good or bad or right or wrong. It's just the truth. It's the reality of what, what you know, is happening today. So there is a structure for that. You know, there is a process for that, that I, as an individual member, I can get with my group, I can get with my district and get with my area. We can submit topics to the general service conference to be discussed. And they have been. You know, they have been discussed, and my my guess is they will continue to be discussed um, for, for sure. the foreseeable future. <laughs> yeah. Well, unfortunately, yeah, everyone who's listening to this already knew all of that, but maybe there's someone that <laughs> didn't maybe know not. that process. Yeah. I, I like, this is another good tradition that has a lot of utility outside of a group meaning in, in your personal life of giving people autonomy to, to be themselves and not, not to try to control people and think about how I always try to think about how my decisions impact other people. Whereas before when I was drinking, I didn't, I didn't even think about that. All I was concerned about was myself. And so the tradition has really taught me to, to really think through like, how do my decisions impact other people? And you know, how, you know, what's the long-term effect of a decision and, I probably, if I'm going to do something that is going to impact somebody else, I probably should talk to that person first. Or if I'm going to do something that's going to affect a group of people, I probably should confer with them before I just go off and make my own decisions. So there's a lot of utility with, with the tradition there. That, that reminds me of the, the tool pause when agitated, right? The yeah. uh, restraint of tongue and pen that, yeah. you know, well, my ability to harm and impact other people uh, is great when I don't practice those things. <laughs> yes, it sure is. Shank, you want to move on to meeting shrapnel? All right. Meeting Shrapnel, Tammy's favorite favorite segment. All right. <laughs> Our first meeting Shrapnel is I've been sober a few 24 hours. Wow! What do y'all think about that one? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I'm excited. 
excited to talk about this one. Like, so, so my, I, I, I'm actually what I'm excited to hear is, is y'all's perspective of it. Uh, I mean, you guys may or may not be notorious for scrapping. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, my starting place for this one is to keep it. Um, okay. because so, so I'll, I'll give you my reasons and my perception of this. So I don't say it exactly like this, but I have used this phrase many times. What I usually say is I've been sober a few days put together, which is, I mean, a very similar concept to uh, a few 24 hours. And when I say that, I don't say it all the time. I say it in context to if I'm talking about how I used to be, how I used to think, what I used to do. And I may say, well, now that I've been sober a few days put together or a few days, you know, whatever, um, I think differently, I act differently, I do differently as it pertains to whatever the topic is, right? So I, I do use this. So the reason I prefer that is because when I think about, uh, I, I think about there, I've had a couple of situations where I've heard people use their amount of time sober almost as a my voice counts more type of thing right and and i usually notice it i'm not saying i always hear but i usually notice it when we're at, at a controversial for instance any of the, the the controversial topics that come up at general service conference i'll go to round tables and people are fired up you know with with their opinion and everything and and i'll hear somebody go up to the microphone to give their opinion when it's their turn and and they'll say well i've been sober for 40 years and and it's like you know, it's irrelevant to the conversation, right? It's a, irrelevant. You get your voice, you get your vote, but it's almost used as a, I've been sober longer, my voice, vote should count a little bit more, right? And so I, I think I like this because it doesn't carry that that connotation of, of my voice counts more arrogance or anything like that. But I'll tell you, so when I was new... And people would say, like, I've been sober a few 24 hours or a few days put together. Then all I could think was, how long has this person been sober? Like, I I would just listen for context clues within their story. I wasn't listening to any of the solution. And I was just like, ooh, okay, went to a Pink Floyd concert. That puts us in a certain area. Okay, how old do I think this person is? Like, I just would try to figure it out somewhere okay in the last 11 years somewhere about midway i started to learn that people that had time that probably had what i wanted either didn't say anything about how long they would have been sober or said something like you say tammy so i'm like okay that person probably they're not trying to gloat they're not trying to say well i've been sober for x amount of time however um you know then there will be people who will say like well i've been sober for a while and they've been sober for like two weeks this time so it's very difficult like as i go to meetings and different places the longer i stay sober it's like i just want to know how long you've been sober and it's not to make a judgment about your sobriety because there are plenty of people that i know that have a lot of time that like i don't want to emulate what they have some people may um i don't but like, I just want to know, like, please just tell me, just tell me the thing. I don't want to have to figure it out. We were talking about this in the tradition three, where it's just like when people talk about powder form of alcohol or this or this, just tell me what you're talking about. Because now yeah. I'm confused and I'm not paying attention because I'm looking for a context clue of something else. It, 
There's got it's a funny one to me. I always hear it, the term cracks me up. I'm kind of neutral on it, but I, you hear these like I've been sober a few 24 hours. You know, you you'll hear people say it like that, and it's like, okay, well, what does that what does that mean? And I have, I do it. I cringe when people use that have been sober for a long time that like use it as like a badge or to one up you or to you know to, to say that they've got you know their opinion is more valuable. Um, there's just got to be a better way to say say it. Maybe just I I don't know. I I I do think that sometimes your length you don't hear this much but I do sometimes think your length of sobriety is relevant and that there's no substitute for experience so sometimes I think people need to know that well hell I got you got experience and you've been sober for a while that's why you're you're saying this so but I don't know there's just got to be a better way to say it I don't know what it would be but this particular statement, it's just the people that I hear say it, it just cracks me up the way that they do it. I, I don't know. I'm not. It's a, it's a, it's a good point because I think the way it's said could matter. It could make Sometimes. a difference in how, and how I perceive it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I want to scrap it. I don't know about y'all, but I'm voting first and I want to scrap it because <laughs> I just want people to say how long they've been sober. Dang it. That's that's probably the best. That'd be the most honest thing, I guess. Right. Would be. Tammy, what are you going to do? You're going to keep it or scrap it? So I was I, I came into the argument open minded. I, I definitely <laughs> had an opinion, but I, I came into the argument open minded and, and I can definitely see um the arguments to scrap um but i think i am so turned off by the alternatives that i see that i would rather keep it okay all right jerry uh well to me it kind of it just sounds kind of like when people say yeah i did outside issues just say what you did so i mean few 24 hours if you've been sober for a number of years that's more than a few 24 hours so it's not completely honest I, I'm gonna, <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> that's a stretch I know that's a stretch Danny. I was I'm, gonna I'm, say you're really stretching now <laughs> that's a stretch but I'm, I'm scrapping it Shank it's out of here alright with y'all anymore. No, I'm, no, come on. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting totally my ball and going home. <laughs> All right. Meeting shrapnel number two. And I think that this may be one that um, I think maybe I changed the language on it. So if you submitted it, I think yeah, I somebody it. emailed this one to us. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. you got to clean up what you messed up. But that may so not have been ex- exactly how it was stated. You know, oh, you know, you know I what see. I mean? Damn. Yeah, I didn't for a minute, but yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, some are quicker than others, and I don't follow that kind of today. So, <laughs> so, 
So I don't love this one by any stretch. Um, it's just so slaggy, so slaggy, so casual, so like, I don't know. It's just, it, it, this is one where I'm going to use your argument from the last trap. No, like, just, just say what you mean. Like, just, just say it, right? Like, what are you trying to tell me? You're trying to tell me work the steps. You're trying to tell me to do a step 10. You tell me I need to make some amends. You know, what do you, what do you, why don't you, why don't you say that? And uh, so it's just, it's too, it's just too slangy and casual for me. Um, I'd rather say, you know, work some steps. Hmm. What do you think, Jerry? It's, I think I've only, I think I have heard one person say it. I'm, I don't think it's one that you hear, that you would hear a lot. Um, it, I don't know. It's dumb to me. I mean, I don't. I mean, you got to clean up what you messed up. I mean, what's he saying? Works, do steps eight and nine? Uh, yeah, I think that, um, sounds like it came straight from an NA meeting. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, Shank, what do you think? I agree with both of you all. I think it just, you know, just say you need to work some steps you need to do an inventory you need to make some amends like if i for me when i arrived in aa this was like a duh so i much preferred people saying here's exactly how you do it there's a book there are steps get a sponsor i think scrap it tammy i would like to scrap it all right i'm scrapping it shank all right it's out of here right what's next so our last meeting shrapnel today is i'm not a bad person trying to get good i'm a sick person trying to get well yeah so this one i dislike on a lot of levels so (laughs) (laughs) for a lot of levels so so the first thing is call it a sick people just just to me sounds like the whole idea of you know the disease concept of alcoholics you know that people who talk about their disease of alcoholism like I don't have a disease like what I have is an allergy that's been coupled with an obsession of the mind that has been relieved because I have worked the steps and trust to God right so um that's all great so uh, it, it just, it sounds like it's reverting back to that whole, I have a disease thing. I don't like, and so that's one. And, and the other, for some reason, it strikes me as sounding like an excuse mm-hmm. to shirk responsibility, right? Like I'm just a sick person. Try- you, know what? you know, I don't know. It just sounds like it's an excuse to do bad. Right. And, yes. and I, I just don't like it. Yeah. I, I like, I don't like it for all of those reasons, but also there are some bad people trying to get good in AA and otherwise I mean I've met like a few people bad people in AA yeah and they're probably the ones that were saying this in the meeting I don't know (laughs) I love this one of course (laughs) of course it gave me so much hope when I was newly sober you say it at every meeting now and pass it on uh, to the newcomer? All, all the time, man. <laughs> I, I say it. 
I got bumper stickers that say <laughs> I give to all my all new people. No, it it is it's it is like the um, my disease made me do it type mentality, and like it's an excuse for inappropriate behavior, or um, I'm always going to be sick, you know, I'm never going to get well, and um, you hear. I, you hear it a lot. You used to hear it a whole lot. Um, it came straight out of a treatment center. But I think that um, it's not something I would say. Tammy, what do you want to do with it? So, I would like to uh, super scrap it. Is that a, <laughs> oh, is that a possibility? Or maybe, if I, maybe if I tell you how many years I've been sober, my boy, my vote can count twice and Jerry's counts three times. So I don't know. I may have to do yes. that. Yes. Right? <laughs> hey, we've got autonomy to do that. Oh we've my God. Super scrap. You get two votes. I get three votes and Shane First gets one First time vote. in five seasons. Now we're introducing this super scrap. <laughs> super scrap by Tammy. I love it. Oh man! So if I you're gonna super, it. if you're oh, super scrapping it, we don't need to vote. It's, well, it's gone. That's like it's a super scrap. It's a super scrap. It's powerful. <laughs> out of here! It's out of here. Oh my goodness! All right, it's gone. It's gone. Mm-mm-mm. Tammy. We appreciate you coming on and sharing your experience with us. Uh, thank you so much for having me back. It's always a pleasure to be here with you guys. You're doing good work out there. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's been great, been great having you. you. And remember that autonomy gives us a lot of freedom. Thanks for listening. If you have a comment, suggestion, or just need help, you can email Shank and Wayne at freedom at alcoholicsalive.com. Remember, we're recovered members of Alcoholics Anonymous, but we do not speak for Alcoholics Anonymous, nor do we get paid. Join us next week for another great episode.